Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, November 7th, 2005. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Lozan, and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today, Mark and I will be talking about the Manager Tools development philosophy. This was um, born out of a couple of emails we got recently where it became clear to us that uh, we hadn't really laid that out terribly well, and uh, we're going to try to rectify that today. So with that, well, let's, let's just go and get right into the show. And we got some email recently from a listener asking about how to develop one of the manager's in their company. Um, if you remember, right. the mail went something like this. Hey, guys, love manager tools, really like the usability of the recommendations, but need some help. One of our guys has some management responsibilities, and we'd like to help them get better. wonder if you can re- recommend some sort of comprehensive coaching program with some resources or books that we can get him involved in. I thought this might be worthwhile talking about. Yeah, I'll tell you, when I saw the email, I was, I was like, Wow. I mean, there was clearly a hole in some of the stuff we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, we really, really haven't talked about it. It's been a while since we've talked about our kind of the manager tools development philosophy. You know, So it might be worthwhile right. giving folks an abbreviated version of that and then maybe um, responding directly to this question, give them some coaching examples of how, uh, how it would fit within the kind of uh, our development philosophy. You know, in thinking about that too, Mike, I, I will tell you that as I as I started putting my thoughts together for this, when we talked about this in advance of the cast, I thought, you know, I think what would be good is for us to walk through, not the theory, and I think we want to be careful about philosophy. Oh boy, great word. Um, this is not a philosophy show, <laughs> um, but but I think that what we ought to do is really make clear how we see this happening. Get it clear in everybody's minds, and then we'll do another show where we we want to integrate two other things, which is several examples of coaching. We'll give at least one example this time, but also I also want to integrate something that one another listener suggested, which you and I both feel strongly about. Um, and this person had a really good example of, which is development plans. Um, you know, we we feel strongly about development plans. They're not critical. You can develop people without development plans, but we want to talk about them because they really do help focus the work that a manager does when he or she is helping their sure. folks grow. So what what went through your head initially when you first read that email where this gentleman was asking us for coaching uh, help with his employees? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, it was, it was an aha moment for me, Mike, because two things. One was his question is totally on the money. We have not made it clear yet. I mean, here's a listener who we feel like we've shared some key tools that are really be helpful. I mean, this is manager tools. We, we want to be, we want to help them and give them things they can do immediately to make themselves more effective. Um, and so here's a person who's listened to those podcasts, and yet he still has a question that, that kind of caught me, you know, kind of hit me on the forehead. And I thought, he's spot on. We haven't done that. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, we have described all these tools, but we really haven't integrated them and said, Here's how you should be thinking about how you develop your folks. And, and to tell you the truth, the, the, the other thing that I had in the moment when, when I read it was a little bit of sadness. Not, not about this person's mail, because it was a great mail. It was spot on. But it was sadness that 
there are people who love manager tools that really, you know, that we're helping people, and yet they are conditioned to believe that they need to go to some books. They need to, I think what this person asked was, can I, you know, can you help me with a cohesive coaching program um, with, with a, some resources in the background? And my fear in listening to that, kind of my sadness was, gosh, people still think they need to go to the bookstore, buy a few books, read the books, have their people do what's in the books, and they'll get better. And I just thought, you know, the number, part of the reason you and I are doing what we're doing is because of the number of managers who we've heard stories from. They say, you know, I'd love to do that, but, you know, I went and got some books, but they really didn't seem to help me. They didn't really tell me exactly what to do. And I think, Mark, weren't you and I just talking recently about, maybe it was a listener that wrote in uh, an email about the value of the, oh, it was the special podcast, the one where we talked about periodicals, Wall Street Journal, and um, and so on in books, and uh, somebody really sung the praises of HBR, Harvard Business Review, but agreed with us that it was a little too strategic. And you went on to say, yeah, it's strategic. It doesn't really tell you exactly what to do. And I thought, you know, here's a guy who really wants to do better, who's, who's clued into manager tools, and he's still going to go get a book. And I thought, gosh darn, he, he's going to be disappointed. He's going to, you know, in a, in a, in a dr- melodramatic way, he's going to have his heart broken by reading a book and going, okay, I've got to do all this stuff, and, and the book's probably not going to be detailed enough. So, so I had two approaches, two, two thoughts. One, he's right. We haven't done this yet. We missed one here. And, and that's a function of when I work with clients, when we work with clients, we, ta- we give them the whole picture. We give them several examples, and we, we coach them along through several examples with their direct reports, and so they see all the tools working together. And so, in a way, this is kind of, uh, it's not the Synergy podcast, but it is the, uh, it is the overall manager tools system, the manager tools way for employee development podcast. And I, and I think that we want to be careful about using the word philosophy, but, but um, if I can, in a nutshell, before I talk about the rules, let me just say this. If somebody asked me, how do you coach people, how do you make people better? And I'd say, look, here's what you do. You take your time. You work with that person one-on-one. You help them learn a concept. You watch them do it. You help them practice it for a month or two. You give them coaching and feedback until that person does it better and has a new way of doing it. And when they're really, really good at it, you switch and teach them something else through this process of coaching and feedback and delegation. Um, using one-on-ones as a tool to do it. And, and, you know, you don't have them try to read three books and change the way they do everything. It won't work. People won't do it. And even if it, they do do it, it's going to be dangerous because they're going to start thinking the book is really where they learned it rather than from you. Um, and then if they disagree with the book, then they're going to abandon the well, effort. Why, um, while you were talking there, but, um, I quickly pulled up my email and, and went back to a, a comment we got from somebody recently on an email um, I don't know uh-huh. if you mind me sharing, which is the individual um, European, um, German, I think, but I'm, I'm not positive. Um, and his, one of his statements was, by the way, for some Europeans, you come across in a subtle way as very American. Uh, well, we right. are. <laughs> I, I heard this comment twice. A colleague was quite baffled about what you call behavioral approach. And, and this is what, Mark, I'd like you to address. This was something like, uh, he said, went on to say that it had something like a train the dog association in Europe, yeah. Do you see our kind of behavioral approach as uh, having a train the dog association, or you think there's some well, no, mistranslation no, there? Obviously not. Uh, though, you know, you're, you're right. We we have to be more sensitive. Um, I think almost any American 
we ought to be any U.S. manager has to be sensitive to cultural diversity. Um, and I think if you're in Europe, my experience with European managers is they're naturally attuned to it because Italians are much more likely to talk to, to Germans and Sp Spaniards and French um, in the course of a regular business experience than Americans are with Europeans or with, with South Americans or with uh, people from Asia and so on. And there's a little bit of that superpower American dominance, a little bit of arrogance that we, we have to be cautious of. And I, I coach my executives on it. We have a, I have a client right now that's integrating global operations. Well, it's, the world's been global for a while now, and yet they're just now beginning to ha come to a global P&L. Um, but, but when we say behavioral, we mean something pretty simple. And gosh, of course, we don't mean train the dog. Um, the fact is, if you read in any language about s social interaction, human beings, social interaction. They talk about behaviors. They don't talk about intent very much because they can't measure intent. Behaviors are just the words you say, how you say them, your facial expressions, and your body language. And oftentimes people add another one, which is the speed at which you do them. Um, and th those are behaviors. Those are things you can observe as a manager and that you can give feedback on. They're either true or they're not true. Either somebody raised their voice or they didn't. Somebody rolled their eyes or they didn't. Somebody slumped in their chair or they didn't. Somebody, um, somebody gave a presentation uh, where they talked so fast people couldn't understand them or they talked at the right speed so that everybody could understand them. The beauty of behavioral approach, and again, not, not, not training a dog, but rather it gives us something we can talk about rather than somebody's intent, somebody's emotions. If you've ever been in a situation and you tell somebody, I know how you feel, um, in fact, we have a very good friend, Mike Swenson, who will tell you, boy, when someone says, I know how you feel, don't be surprised if somebody pushes back immediately and goes, no, you don't. Um, if you're trying to guess at how somebody feels or their, their motivation for things, you want to be very, very cautious about it. So we certainly didn't intend that, um, and maybe we need to come up with a better way of describing that to, uh, to address cross-cultural issues. I know, you know, the, the, I think the, the email you're talking about, the person mentioned, you know, feedback might not work in Japan that well. We respect that completely. Uh, I will say, somehow, if I'm an engineer and I'm off track in Japan, I know enough about Japan to say that we don't say, well, that man, that engineer's off track. We're going to let him go. Somehow, that engineer is given feedback. It may not be the exact way we do it, but I would say they don't attack him. They don't attack his family. Somebody in some way delivers information to him that causes him to want to change his behavior. Um, and, and generally, if you want to be effective at it, you don't say, hey, you're getting off on the wrong foot and expect them to guess at what you mean and keep guessing until they get it right. That's what a lot of times kids do, and it's not effective. Um, so we respect the fact that there are cultural issues that we need to be mindful of and sensitive to. And whenever we hear feedback like that, we say, you know, they're right. We need to be, we need to be careful. We're thrilled that we have international listeners and we're thrilled that we have value for them and we need to hear that so we can tweak our approach and we don't we certainly don't want to come across as training a dog that's that's the wrong that's our wrong uh, tone for us to take right okay well thanks i, I just thought it might be useful to to yeah. address that while you're on the subject of behavior so um so getting back to my, my thought of, in big picture about our our way of developing people i'm, I'm going to avoid saying philosophy mike at all costs the manager tools way for employee development is very simple um 
this is how you train anybody to be a better employee or manager. These things we talk about, coaching, feedback, delegation, one-on-ones, those are management techniques. Management, good management, does not exist in books in a separate place from where you are. If you're listening to this podcast, you are probably an average or above average manager. No offense, you may be fabulous, I don't know, but you're probably average or above average. Management techniques exist in you. Okay, Better management is not in books and resources. It is in different day-to-day, week-to-week behaviors that you help your people see by coaching them and giving them feedback. What we haven't done and what this, this, this uh, email caused us to realize is we haven't strung them all together in a way that's helpful to help people see how do I, how can I develop my people without having them read a book. Although, we will say one thing about books. Sooner or later, I'm going to come out with a book. It's going to, call the, it's going to be called The Effective Manager, and we would really like you to buy that book. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll repeat all this stuff, and it'll say don't, you don't have to use books. You just have to use the idea in this particular book. Um, so that gets us to rule number one. Rule number one is don't buy any or any more books. Development's not in books. It's in you. The most important HR task you have as a manager is the training and development of your folks. Um, The world is globalizing. Profits are becoming thinner. Things are speeding up. If If your folks don't get better, if your team doesn't get better, if your people, whether they're managers or employees or individual contributors or scientists or production line workers or sales force, whatever, if they're not improving their skills, you're going to get left behind. They're not going to improve their skills in a way that's most effective for you if you let them do it on their own and you don't point them in the right direction. The best way to point them in the right direction is to focus them on specific things that you believe they could get better at, which would be most strategically aligned with what the organization, yours and others um, in your company, want out of their folks. Um, so if you, if you believe that you need to go out and read a couple of books in order to gain resources, I really don't think you need to do that. The people that are listening to this show are smart enough to figure out roughly where their folks need to go. And the more you start looking elsewhere for resources like books or magazines or whatever, all those things are good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it, we want you to continue developing. But if you're trying to address a specific person with a particular book, I believe you're already starting to abdicate, abdicate your role in the day-to-day, week-to-week process of improving your team. Um, And really, I worry that if I were working for you, Mike, and you said, hey, go get this book and read it, it'd almost be like, whoa, you're not willing to spend time with me, and so now the book is going to be the thing that develops me? Most managers, I would be interested from hearing from our audience, our listeners, whether or not they've gone out, read a book, and go, whoa, it changed my life. I would bet there are very few books that did that, or books that they had five, six, seven, eight, nine things that they immediately changed and they immediately got good results with. I just don't. I think it's one of the reasons why Manager Tools is growing because books, books are a little too high level, too, a little too strategic. So, so rule number one: don't buy any or any more books, with the idea that you're they're going to help you develop one person in particular. It helps you to grow and think more broadly, but it's not a management development tool for your direct reports. Right. Okay. Great. Thanks for clarifying that because I, I, I thought there might be some misperception if uh, people walked away yeah. with the. Uh, Mark said, don't buy any more books. That's, that's not yeah, what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just had a special cast for all of our registered users, and we encourage people to register so they can get a copy of our of our. Yeah, um, it looks, right, because we talk about all the about books that we're going to tell you not to go read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, rule number two. The thing about books in general that leads to this next one is that, that they're about somebody else. Rule number two is development should be about real work. Suppose I told you, Mike, that you're going to get, I want to train you to be a football player. Think 
for a moment. What would be some of the things you would see yourself doing? If we had practice from 8 until noon tomorrow morning, what would you see yourself doing? Um, what position am I playing? I'm a, yeah. I don't know. Pick okay. One. If I'm a lineman, I'm going to be out there blocking, running plays, reviewing playbooks. Yeah. You're going to do the actual things that you do in a game. You're going to do it. You're going to get taught how to do it. You're going to watch somebody else do it. Then you're going to try it. They're going to give you feedback, and you're going to keep doing it until you meet the standard. And, and that seems to be missing in a lot of management development efforts. If, if you're my boss, Mike, the way you're going to coach me to get better is you're going to ask me to try a different way of doing some of the basic blocking and tackling of my job. You're going to ask me to do it differently. We're going to see whether or not we get better results, whether we block the other guy more effectively and the runner goes through the hole more effectively. Or if we're talking about soccer, sorry, we talk about football here, but if we're talking about soccer, which is football in England, of course, um, you, we're going to show you how to pass it and how to put the right bend on the pass so it goes around the defender but gets to our striker. Okay, if it, if it doesn't get to him, we need to do it again and again and again and show you where it might need to be different on your foot, where you need to plant your off foot so that you get the right, the right spin on the ball, and how to get it softly to him so he can just do a one-touch and immediately be able to control the ball. If you can't do that, we'll keep doing that thing. We're not going to go climb a ladder. We're not going to go practice in the goal. We're going to make your development about passing to the other to the striker on your team if you're a midfielder. We're going to teach you how to do it by helping you learn how to pass better. And you're going to pass and pass and pass and pass. Developing people at work is exactly the same. You should make your development about real work. If I'm a salesperson and you want me to improve my sales, the coaching you should give me and the behaviors we should be talking about, in other words, the things I do, should be about selling to customers. You don't need to have an offsite to do that. I'm, look, I'm not saying offsites are terrible. Sometimes they're wonderful for team building. Um, they're not super effective, but they can be, they can be helpful. Um, people develop themselves when they try something different, they learn that the new way they're learning is better, it works better than the way they used to do it, and they practice it enough so that it becomes second nature, and now it is their new way of doing things. Okay? So, the, so, so the manager tools, what to do, and rule number two, make it about real work, choose real work situations that you want them to get better at and coach them on those things. For instance, if you have a manager who works for you, um, maybe he doesn't know how to run meetings, and, and, and that's maybe too broad. He starts his meetings late. Uh, nobody likes going to his meetings. They run way long. He talks, 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 just drives everybody crazy. There are all kinds of managers who do that, particular ones who are uncomfortable in their leadership role and think they just need to keep talking. Well, okay, what do we do about that? We don't tell them, read three books, and then we're, you and I are going to talk about meetings, and then you're going to go do it. We're actually going to say, Here, here's the way meetings go. I'm going to show you how to run a meeting. And then I'm going to ask you to run your meeting following these three or four key t principles. And in this particular case, there happens to be a podcast out there on that very thing. Um, and then I'm going to come and watch you run your meeting. And I'm going to give you feedback about how you ran your meeting. And then I'm going to watch you run your next meeting. And you're going to get better at it. That's it. We're going to choose a real work situation and ask them to get better by coaching them to improve their behavior in the meeting. Not in an offsite, not in a book. Not in a test online, in the meeting itself. Um, rule number three, we want you to, any manager who's developing, so in your case, Mike, if you're my boss, I don't want to go to your head, and you want to develop me, 
what what we say is that rule number three is you take responsibility for my development and then you delegate the authority of my development to me. In other words, I'm authorized to develop myself. And what I mean by that is you sit down with me and you actually delegate. You say to him, you follow the delegation model, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, uh, and in a regular one-on-one, -on -one, you say, look, I want Mike or Mark, I really want you to improve in terms of how you run meetings. And I want to coach you on it. But right now, I'm delegating to you the responsibility for improving your meeting performance. And, and we're going to walk through the coaching model, and I'm going to use feedback, and we're going to meet every week in our one-on-one. -on -one, and part of our one-on-one, -on -one, remember, if you think about one-on-ones, Mike, you got 10 minutes for them. 10 minutes for you, and then 10 minutes to talk about the future or development. Well, that's exactly what you can do in the last 10 minutes. You can talk about, if it was in this case me working for you on my meetings, it would be the last 10 minutes saying, okay, let's talk about what happened in the last meeting. Let me give you some feedback. Let me coach you on where you are and where you need to go. And then next week we'll touch base again and see if you're getting where you need to go. Simple. Um, and the way you think about this more broadly is, let's say I'm a below average manager, Mike. And I've got seven or eight things you want to work on. I'm, I don't really listen to my people very well. I tend to hold up in my office and do too much email. I have lousy meetings. I tend to be irritating and abrasive when I go to cross meeting meetings across the organization. People say, you know, he's just kind of loud and he's not, not a pleasant person to be around. Well, you're not going to fix that all at once. And you're certainly not going to help me by saying you're in trouble of getting fired. You're in danger of getting fired. You say, look, Mark, we need to work on some things. I've got five or six things we need to work on. We're going to pick one. And you're going to get better at it. And when you get better at it, we're going to pick something else, and we're going to get better at it. And it may only take three weeks to get to the first through the first one. It may take ten weeks. I don't care. We're going to get better, and then we're going to move on to something else. You're saying it'd be much better to focus on one thing, repeat that seven, eight, twelve, two dozen times, instill it as a new habit before going on to the next thing versus in the period of a week, trying eight different things. Yes. Now, there are some people who have the bandwidth to do two at a time. I've never seen anybody do three at a time. In fact, Peter Drucker often says about executives, he says, you should pick one thing and do it well. Two things is very hard, nearly impossible, except for the exceptionally gifted. Three things is a circus act. <laughs> <laughs> so don't bother. Look, if they're going to be here, if you look at a manager that works for you or an employee that works for you and says, I can see her being here in a year. Well, that means you've got 52 weeks. If you assume it takes four to five weeks to help them get better on something, you've got, you know, nine or ten sesh things you can improve them on in, in the first year. The corollary of that is if you have a person in position that has eight or ten things that are glaring discrepancies that are standing between him, right. and her, him or her and success, then they're probably in the wrong job or you hired the wrong person or there's some other issue there. Is that a fair statement? I would, I would agree. I have a caveat to that, though. I, I would agree. If, Mike, you leave a job and I take over for you and I notice that three of the seven people who are working for you have multiple areas that are really concerning to me, while you're right, my conclusion, it would be fair for me to draw, boy, these people are probably in the wrong job. My first thought is not, unless it's really a mission critical area, my first thought is not get them out of the job. My first thought is immediately invest in them. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to say we're going to work on all these areas. We're going to pick one at a time. We're going to pick the one that's most dangerous, and we're going to fix it first. And when it gets fixed, we're going to move on to the next one. If in three months they haven't improved enough, I may have to say to them, we're not going fast enough. But, but when I start having that conversation with them, they've seen some early wins, and they might be willing to accelerate their effort. But if I immediately start trying to get rid of them, um, 
and there's not a lot of data to support that. Like if you've left and you haven't done your due diligence, which 90% of managers don't do, they leave and they leave some people who are not effective, who have not been given feedback to that effect. Um, I think it's it's unlikely that you're going to be able to get rid of. I'm going to be able to get rid of them when I take over your management job, and so I better be willing to invest in them until such time as they prove that they won't be able to 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 until such time as they prove to me they won't be able to improve enough, and then I need to say we need to find right. I mean, there's probably some exceptions if you are hired to go yeah. into a, a crisis situation where you have an organization completely out of control, a product line right. that's not working, or whatever. There's some exceptions where more drastic action might be required, but that's not the norm, I think. Right. Rule number four, the real sort of the this thing that sums it all up, anybody who's listening to this podcast, who has listened to our previous podcast, know, ought to know this. You have all the tools you need right now. Coaching, feedback, delegation, one-on-ones. Here's how it works. You meet weekly in your one-on-ones, and you pick something that you're going to develop your folks on. You delegate the responsibility, the authority to them for improving themselves. You come up with a coaching plan and you give them feedback on it until they achieve the goal. When they achieve the goal, you pat them on the back, you set that one aside, and you pick the next thing that they're going to work on. That's it. That is the manager tools employee development technique. In your one-on-one, you talk about something you want them to improve upon, you delegate them to them the authority to do it, and of course, because it's about them, the responsibility too. You come up with a coaching plan and then you manage the coaching plan using feedback. Now, there is one little caveat that in the coaching plan, one of the steps is develop some resources. But the resource can be you or it can be other people. Um, you don't need to go out and get books um, 90% of the time to improve on something. Usually, the most powerful tool you have, the most powerful resource you have, is you're observing your people, even though I know you're busy, um, you observing your people and then giving them lots of feedback about what you saw and how they can do better. Now, I feel like it's kind of anticlimactic to say it, Mike, and you know, correct me if you think you, I need to say it differently, but that is it. I'm going to have a one-on-one. I'm going to delegate authority for improvement. I'm going to give them a coaching plan, and I'm going to give them feedback along the way. When they achieve it, we move on to something else. That's Employee Development 101. No books to speak of, nothing major anyway. Um, the vast majority of things that managers face on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis can absolutely be handled in that program. Right. And the growth for the manager doing the developing, and we've talked about this a number of times, Mark, but I think you're remarkable in this, comes down to how how effectively, obviously, you follow this process, but how accurately, precisely you are able to communicate your observations about people's behavior. For example, you know, when you did some consulting for me back several years ago, one of my senior managers had, um, in a meeting, would come across as looking fairly angry most of the time. And she had... Yes. And she had gotten that feedback before, but not using the feedback model. And the people who had given her that feedback hadn't described to her precisely what being angry meant. In fact, if I remember right, didn't they tell her, you're mad? And she said, no, I'm not. Yes, oh, absolutely. Be- because they were describing an emotion that she wasn't feeling, but they didn't have the the the, the, the wisdom, if you will, or the, the, the insight to say, 
okay, maybe you're not mad, but here's what you're doing that causes me to draw that conclusion. Right. Well, it's the same thing like slicing a golf ball, right? You can say you have a bad slice. You know, the, the, the pro can tell that to you, but he or she then has to describe to you what behaviors, how you're manipulating your body that is causing the ball to take that action. The fact yep. that you have a slice in and of itself doesn't do anything for you. It's obvious. Right. Nor does telling somebody they're angry. You got to describe yep. the behavior. And I think that is something, I don't think we're going to get into that today, but I think that's a right. specific podcast because there, there is an art and science to um, the ability to observe people's behavior and describe that in a way that is useful during these feedback sessions. Yeah. So let, let's give one example at a high level, okay, Mike? I'll tell you the one that's a classic a director level, a senior manager level person who has a supervisor reporting to them, okay? And the supervisor is a technician, whether he's a code writer or a software quality assurance person or a production line worker or um, a, an electrician or a welder or a, a, a fact checker who has been promoted because of their technical skill, their professionalism, their pleasantness, and so on, and now they're supervising welders. In fact, I consider, you know, I've talked to you, I'm sure I've mentioned on podcasts before, the crime, the the embarrassment we do to welders when we promote the best welder to be the manager of welders, and suddenly he's miserable because he wants to weld. (laughs) That's why he got promoted, and now you're telling him, oh, by the way, the way we reward you is no more welding for you. Um, so we, we've got a supervisor who has some managerial responsibilities and, and this happens, you've heard it, I've heard it a hundred times, if not a thousand each. The answer is, you know, Joe doesn't get along with his folks. (laughs) He doesn't really know what to do and his folks are really alienated from him. He likes to weld or, you know, he, he likes to be on the line, but he doesn't like to answer questions. He certainly doesn't like to adjudicate when two people are fighting. You know, he just doesn't like that kind of stuff. Um, here's what I would suggest. I'm going I'm to put these rules into, into action with this particular situation. There are no books here. <laughs> this is just what happens. If I'm Joe's boss, I'm going to take Joe aside in a one-on-one and say, hey, listen, thanks for updating me on what's going on. My turn. Um, I've got 20 minutes. I want to talk to you about something I'd like you and I to start working on. And I'd say to him something like this, Joe, I I, I have seen some things, and I'll give you some examples here in just a moment, that maybe um, you're not as, as, you don't have as good a communication with your team as I'd like to to see you having. Haven't you agreed there have been times when guys came to you and you, you, um, you yelled at them or you ignored them, and there are days when you say, gosh, I'd rather just be a production line guy again. And Joe says, yeah, yeah, yeah. says, well, okay. Um, Joe, I, I think, and now remember now, this is a one-on-one. Say, Joe, I want you to improve your relationships with your folks. Okay? That's what I, I, I really want to help you do that. And, and I don't think it's enough just to say you used to work with them. Um, I'm going to recommend... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a technique that I use. In fact, you're sitting in one right now. I'm going to recommend that you do weekly one-on-ones with your folks. Everything I know about management, Joe, says the better your relationship with your people is, the better your results are going to be. Okay? So I would like you to start talking to them regularly in a, in a formal way. And, and to a degree, Mike, here in this situation, I'm sort of circumventing the, the, um, the um, coaching model because this is a particular case where we know the tool that is most likely to be effective for improving 
um, communication and teamwork among a manager and his subordinates, his or her subordinates, which is, of course, one-on-ones. Um, and, and in this case, Joe is already sitting in a one-on-one. He's sitting in a one-on-one with me. But I'm going to say to him, look, Joe, I want your commitment that you're going to improve your relationships with your direct. So I'm delegating to you the responsibility that within two months, here is a couple of examples of things ABC that I'd like to see. That's the, that's the project I'm going to have you work on so that in two months or in three months, these three things that are happening now won't happen at all. We won't have any complaints. We won't have any union calls. Uh, I won't have anybody busting down my door like Robert did last Thursday when you told him to go take a flying leap. Um, those those kind of issues are going to go to zero. And I want your commitment, you know, would you take on responsibility for improving that part of your job? And the great thing about this is if a person says, no, I'm not willing to do that, you say, you know what, okay, we need a new manager. <laughs> because that's a, that's a pretty standard thing. You've got to be willing to communicate with your folks. Um, so I'm going to delegate that responsibility and that authority to Joe. And then I'm going to say, look, um, may I give you some feedback? When you talk to Robert that way, here's what happens. It irritates me. It irritates Robert. Robert's less effective. He produces less on the line that day, so on and so forth. It irritates Tom, who works next to Robert. Robert and Tom spend a half an hour lunch complaining about you. That draws everybody else in, and the rest of the shift is shot because everybody's talking about what a bad manager you are and how you lorded over them that you're the new boss and so on. What can you do differently? And probably Joe will say something like, well, you know, you don't understand... You know, gosh, Robert's a real jerk and da-da-da-da-da. Well, okay, uh, thank you. And what are you going to do differently? <laughs> um, and then I'm going to say, when, when he finally comes to see that I'm going to be pretty, pretty firm that we need to change this behavior, I'm going to say, I'm going to suggest something. I'm going to suggest a resource. I want to coach you on how to have one-on-ones with your folks. And he's going to say, well, gee whiz, they, we talk all the time. And you say, yeah, but mostly about work. And, and then you describe why you want him to do one-on-ones and how they work better than just talking to people about work. You want, to, want him to get to know them on a personal level. Um, and then you coach him in your one-on-one. In this case, you're the actual resource. And you say, this is how one-on-ones work. You've been a member of one on one side. I want you to take the other side of the desk now. And let's agree on what your goals will be for how many one-on-ones you'll do this week and next week and the week after. And let's agree that at the end of week two, I'm going to be able to see a one-on-one form from each, from a meeting with you and each of your direct reports. And uh, I'm going to expect handwritten notes. And if I don't can't read it, I'm going to ask you to tell me what the notes say. I'm going to ask you what you've learned about their family and their friends and so on. Um, and I'm going to let him do that, do a series of one-on-ones each week. And each week... I'm going to visit with him in our one-on-one about where he is in my coaching of him on the rollout of one-on-ones. And when he achieves one-on-ones, he's doing them on a regular basis, and we've seen a reduction in the problems and the complaints and an increase in communication, then we say, great, you've got one-on-ones down. And, and I'm going to give him feedback along the way. Hey, Bob or Joe, when you say that you're going to meet with Robert and then you cancel, here's what happens. Robert gets upset. Robert gets used to these things. He likes them. I'm going to just use a standard feedback model. Okay. Now let's say after two months, he's got it down. So you know what? I, I really, I just got to tell you something, Joe. I mean, I'm really impressed. This is not an easy thing to learn, and you did it, and you're doing it as well as I am because your team is really communicating well. So good, you're communicating better. Now let's talk about the fact that you can't be so hunky dory with these guys. Everybody can't love you. It can't be a big love fest. There are going to be times when you're going to have to give them feedback about their work. Let's learn an appropriate way to give people feedback. And I'm going to 
in my one-on-one with him one week, I'm going to teach him the feedback model. Of course, he's already been hearing it. I'm going to teach him the feedback model, and we're going to practice a few times, and then I'm going to ask him to be out on the floor. I'm going to spend time with him out on the floor watching to see whether or not he does feedback. And I might even do something like this. I might even say, Joe, let's pretend for a moment that I just saw, I'm you, and I just saw you reach into a machine around a safety bar. I'm going to say, hey, Joe, please turn off the machine. Can you come here real quick? Joe comes over, and I say, Joe, may I give you some feedback? Joe says, yes. I say, hey, when you reach around the safety bar like that into the machine while the machine is running, here's what happens. It scares the heck out of me. It scares an inspector if he's observing. It worries me that you'll lose your arm. It worries me that I'll have to tell your wife that you're at the hospital and you lost your arm. It worries me that you could ruin the machine, that you could, we could waste days and days and days. Um, what can you do differently? And I'm going to give several examples like that of him learning the feedback method. And then I'm going to expect him to practice it. And I'm going to ask him a couple of times to practice it in front of me, to return the favor and to say, okay, pretend that I'm the one that reached across the safety bar. And as he gets better at it, I'm going to go say, look, next week, I'm going to ask two or three of your employees whether or not you've given them feedback and whether you followed the model. And if you haven't, we're going to talk again next week. Now, that is management development. It's employee development. We're going to talk about what Joe can do better. I'm going to coach him on how he can do it better. And then I'm going to give him feedback on whether or not he did and we're going to keep in the process until he achieves the goals that we set in the coaching model. And while you're doing that, you're describing behaviors. Going back to our earlier comment about what we mean yes. by behavior, there's nothing, there's no dog training going on here. It's simply right. behaviors that well, you're... And, you know, another way to think about behavior, using the, the, the opposite of the dog analogy, is when I say behavior, I'm trying to, trying to get across the point. I'm talking about things I saw, because you can actually see behavior. I'm not characterizing or giving my opinion about what they're doing. In other words, I'm not saying, that was stupid, Bob. I don't say, you're an idiot, Bob, because idiocy is not a behavior. Idiocy, if I think Bob's an idiot, that's a conclusion that I draw from what I saw. Okay. In fact, I can't actually see you being mad, Mike. I can see you rolling your eyes. I can see. I can hear you going deck with you, Horseman. But though, you, you, me saying you are mad is a conclusion I draw. I, if I see him reach into the machine and I decide he's stupid, that may be true that I've decided he's stupid. I'm not going to tell him he's stupid. I'm going to describe the behavior which is reaching into the machine. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to describe it as unsafe behavior. I don't think that's an unreasonable conclusion, but I'm not going to call him an idiot. I'm not going to say he's stupid because Joe's going to be there next week. I want Joe to be on a good footing. If every time Joe makes a mistake, I say, you idiot, Joe, when are you going to learn this? After a while, Joe's going to pack up and go home, particularly if you're in a hot market. If your market's growing and things are going well, there are going to be other jobs. And, and, and you're going to lose an important person with a lot of training, and it's just shameful to do that. And, and remember that feedback can also be positive, too. When you see them doing something right, you want to coach people. You want to give positive feedback. Do you well. think sometimes the, the distinction between describing behavior and reading people's minds or the, uh, describing intent is subtle? Uh, the, the ones you just described weren't terribly subtle. But, for example, if I observe somebody, a server, for example, in the restaurant – taking food and eating it inappropriately without having rung it up and rung up in the POS for example i could describe that behavior as when you go take food from the back of the kitchen and don't ring it into the POS here's what happens right i could go down that path or i right. could describe it as when you steal food <laughs> right now yeah. one, somebody okay, could say so that right. stealing that is, is, a be, is a behavior but there is a subtle distinction there and the reaction from the employee could be two different things 
You know, that's a good point. And it may very well be that in our description, we need to come up with more precise uh, verbiage around the behavioral model because, because stealing is a behavior. But it's also a conclusion you drew. And maybe what we want to do is describe... Uh, what's how might we might you know um, conclusion neutral or or judgment or intent neutral because stealing has intent an intent neutral and stealing has an stealing intent. does you're right yeah you're right that's a good point that's a very good point you know when you violate safety procedures well that's you didn't actually see the safety procedure you just saw their arm move in the wrong direction um, you know when you're cavalier with safety procedures no you didn't actually see that that's a conclusion that you drew. Um, and you know what, I think uh, th- we've gotten several questions already, and I think we need to do a podcast here pretty soon where I give three or four coaching examples, and we give both the right way to describe it and the wrong way to describe it. It's easy when they hear you or me use the right verbiage. They go, oh, that makes sense to me. But I think we also ought to use bad examples. And so maybe this is a good time to, to, send an e- to, to ask people, send an email, tell us about a situation at your work that we can perhaps describe a coaching situation you had or behavior that you'd like to change in the mo- most people that you have working for you, an area that you'd really like to see your people improve upon. And we'll use the best of those to give you some examples of how we would walk somebody through the coaching model. And we'll come up with, like I said, three or four, maybe even five, if we can fit them all in and, and just give uh, do a podcast with nothing but coaching yeah. examples. Uh, and we'll save it till that when we go over more detail. But uh, I think the act of describing it without putting some intent in the person's yeah. part is harder than it seems. <laughs> and and yeah. that's why I mentioned earlier where I think you're particularly good at this skill. And I and take it for important. granted. I do. Yep. Yeah. One other thing. Um, if you can't give adjusting or negative feedback without saying, and I know this may not work cross-culturally, but, but it, if you can't say, hey, I love you, man, and you need to change this behavior, or when you do that, here are the bad things happen. If you don't have a good feeling in your heart, in your mind for the employee, you ought to be walking away from that moment because it's likely if you've got some anger, if you've got some frustrations of your own, you're going to project that on them and you're going to use some words that have intent associated with them or judgment associated with them, and it's going to sting, and the stinging is going to cause the feedback to have less value. Um, so that's why it's the old joke of, you know, you don't, you don't tell your child, bad child, bad boy. You say, I love you, son. And what you just did was very wrong. Let's talk about that. Okay. Don't run out in the street. Okay. You don't say stupid boy. You ran out in the street. You say, I love you. I'm afraid you're going to get hit. And when you run out in the street, here's what might happen. Um, and yes, this feedback model does work on kids as I think we've talked about before. Yeah, I, I think there really is a great podcast, and even maybe going 40, 45 minutes and talking about several examples in detail. So please, folks, show at manager-tools.com, and we'll choose the best ones that give us a wide range of, of opportunities to show different industries, different uh, levels of performance, and so on. Yeah, descri- describe a situation where somebody did something that needs to be corrected. Um, describe it in whatever words you you want, and we'll give an example of how to, how to describe it in a intent-neutral manner. Yeah. And, and, and more broadly, we'll talk about how we would walk them through the coaching model, how coaching, feedback, one-on-ones, and delegation are really the core things that you do, and you don't need five books and a week-long course of the American Management Association, which are $2,500, um, that are not full of all kinds of details that will help you. They're high level, but they're not the detail you need. Super. So I think that's it, Mike. I think the key is delegate, responsibility, and authority. 
give feedback in your one-on-ones, develop a coaching plan, give them regular feedback until they achieve it and then move on to the next thing. And all the while you're saying, hey, I want you to improve. I care about you. You're important to me. You're an important part of this team. And we're going to get this. We're going to get better at this. It may very well be the thing you're coaching on is something they're good at, but they need to be a lot better at in order to go to the next level. Great. Hey, one thing before we uh, before we go here, while we're talking, I got an email from David. I'll, I won't mention his last name for. OK, but uh, David uh, uh, sent in and he actually went to uh, our. Well, let me give you some background before. Before I go into this, uh, on our members-only podcast, and if those of you who haven't registered, um, you won't have listened to it. But if you register, there's a section of the website where you can go down and download um, podcasts specifically for registered members, and we'll be doing that once a month. So if you haven't done that, you might want to do it. But in any case, in the, the email that we sent out to our registered members, we told people we're going to put up our special – our list of books that we recommend – um, and the first first person, jokingly, sort of, uh, who bought it through our links to Amazon would get a special prize. Um, and so, right. David, you're the winner. So, oh, great. Uh, um, I think we, when we've talked about um, – what do you think about sending David a copy of um, Barbara Minto's Pyramid Principle? I love it. It's a $100 book. I think it's a yeah, great so idea. I got an extra one here. So, uh, David, we'll, uh, we'll send that. We'll wait till Mark's in town so he can – uh, we can both sign it and send it to you as, oh, a, special, that's great. Great idea. as a special thanks. So, uh, David, you know who I'm talking about, uh, DR. Uh, we'll, we'll have that out in the mail for you shortly. That's great. Um, and the other thing is um, it's, it's the beginning of the month. We're only going to do this once a month. We may have done it more than once last month. But it is the beginning of the month. So those of you who, who haven't voted for us on Podcast Alley, got to go do it. Um, that's it. We won't harp on it too much. We'd really appreciate yeah, that. It helps oh. out a lot. Cool. Hey, and one, oh, one other administrative thing. Now, notice we, we save these to the end so those who get tired of stuff can turn it off. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, I've gotten actually more than I would like a number of folks who sent me emails um, about registering and not getting their password uh, in the mail. If that, occur- if that happens to you, just please send me an email. You can send it directly to me at Michael at manager-tools.com and Mark's is mark at manager-tools.com but just send me a note and I'll go ahead and give you a temporary password and send it off to you Um, I've done some research uh, with GoDaddy who's our hoster and apparently there are some ISPs out there who at least momentarily are are treating email coming from their mail server as spam it's not but um, anyways ours is some of our mail is not not everybody's, but some people's uh, emails are being sent in the put in the bit bucket before they even get to you. So, again, if you if you register and didn't get your password, or you're trying to reset your password and can't do it, just send me an email and I'll I'll take care of it for you. Great. All right. Thanks, All right, Mike. my friend. We'll see you. Bye, take everybody. Bye, bye. Thanks everyone for joining us today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and found something that you can use in your management practice today. As always. We appreciate your feedback, and you can send that to us at show at manager-tools.com or just leave it right on the website, www.manager-tools.com. Again, your votes at Podcast Alley are always appreciated. We've made it pretty simple. Just go to the website, and there's a link right there that uh, is filling your email address, and click away, and it'll be done in about 15 seconds. It helps us out a lot in terms of getting visibility to the show, 
So we really appreciate the extra time you take to go ahead and do that. With that, thanks again, and we will see you all again next week.